Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Janice, I apologize to you if I don't seem real eager to jump into a forced, awkward, intimate situation that people like to call dating. I don't like the feeling. You're sitting there, you're wondering, do I have food on my face? Am I eating? Am I talking too much? Are they talking enough? Am I interested? I'm not really interested. Should I play like I'm interested, but I'm not that interested? But I think she might be interested, but do I want to be interested? But now she's not interested. So now all of a sudden I'm, getting, I'm starting to get interested. And when am I supposed to kiss her? Do I have to wait for the door? Because then it's awkward. It's like, well, good night. Do you do like the ass out hug? Where you like to, you hug each other like this and the ass sticks out because you're trying not to get too close. You just go right in and kiss him on the lips. So don't kiss him at all. It's very difficult trying to read the situation. And all the while you're just really wondering, are we going to get hopped up enough to make some bad decisions? And perhaps play a little game called just the tip. Just for a second, just to see how it feels. Or ouch, ouch, you're on my hair. Hey, Janice, great talk. Welcome to the Mazzard Cast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. Welcome to the special bowl game edition of the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is the locker room eunuch for the Tennessee Volunteers women's basketball team, Colin Anthony. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. I don't know exactly what a locker room eunuch is, but uh, perhaps you can explain it to us later. I will. In okay. great detail. And uh, unfortunately not able to join us today is Brian Goers, who has been doing some great, great, great uh, humanitarian work down in the Caribbean somewhere in one of those countries that I don't know that are an island. And he's come down with some sort of disease that's some sort of like hybrid between AIDS and dysentery. I'm not sure exactly what it is. <laughs> he is he is patient zero for Brian Goers' disease. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and we hope he gets better and makes it back to the States uh, into God's country where the water is clear. So, uh, well, Colin, the bowl season has come and now gone. And it looks like a weird season for the SEC in total, but uh, for us Mizzou Tiger fans, a pretty damn good one. Exactly as predicted, the SEC East had to carry <laughs> a very weak SEC West in in the bowl season. Uh, and the Tigers, uh, who are part of that SEC uh, East, had a uh, had a pretty good pretty good day. So yeah, Missouri played Minnesota down in Orlando, Florida in the Citrus Bowl, what used to be known as the Capital One Bowl, but it's now sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings because sponsorships change faster than a hooker's panties. Uh, do hookers wear panties? Any, I don't want to destroy your analogy. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> I would. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Missouri played Minnesota and they beat them 33-17 to in what was actually a very close game compared to what the score indicated. But uh, but a good one for the Tigers, and it was really unlike Scary. well unlike most of the Bulls this Brighton. season <laughs> for the first quarter anyway. Unlike most of the Bulls this season, I would say that uh, Missouri's game went almost exactly to predictions. Missouri and Minnesota. Minnesota was a, a hard hitting, big, fat, 
running team and Missouri was this sort of strange squad that you knew their offense was sketchy but their defense kept them in games that's exactly what happened uh at times Matty Mock looked like he maybe had been in Disney World too long and hadn't been paying attention to his practices but yeah he went back to mid-season Matty Mock form oh my god especially in that first quarter he's lobbing balls up to the center of the field Literally running in circles. <laughs> two interceptions in his first two possessions, yeah. He he didn't look great, but he did. He stuck with it, ended up having two good touchdown passes, ran one in, and, and ended up giving a concussion to Minnesota's defense. Yep. Tough little booger is the Viking fluffer, Matty Mock. But anyway, it was a fun game, and Missouri ended up on the season 11-3. and three, Another bowl, January 1st bowl victory for them, two in a row, and three consecutive bowl wins for the Tigers. It's a it's a great year to be in Mizzou. And it's been such a weird year. I mean, this is a year we lost to Indiana at home. This is a year we got shut out by Georgia. This is a year that and Alabama won 11 games. took it to us. Yeah, and we won 11 games. You've got to say, I mean, and I'll, I'll say this too, in a year that uh, has to be one of Coach Pinkle's finer performances from a coaching standpoint. The bowl game was a well-coached game by Pinkle. He had some very aggressive play some calls. Trickeration. Yeah, absolutely. The the most risky play call, I'd say, came early in the game when he had a fake punt in er, deep into his own territory. Harold Brantley has got wheels. He's got moves. He's got a little wiggle. Yeah. Um, they snap the ball to Harold Brantley, takes it for the first down. I mean, that was a gutsy call. Well, and Brent, I honestly believe if you – just about anybody but Harold Brantley in that position, you don't get that. But he literally has got some speed and some shake and some wiggle. I was very impressed. I I really feel like it. Um, you know they've been talking about Harold Brantley actually is getting a draft grade because he could theoretically go into the draft. They don't think he will, but he could. Um, I, watching him run like that probably made college or uh, football scouts go. Oh. I have to think Harold Brantley's going to be a short yardage option for the Tigers next year. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? He's in the refrigerator Perry for mm-hmm. uh, for Mizzou. You know, it was a, it was a gutsy call. If that had gone south, Missouri would have been in a deep hurt, but it didn't. It worked out, and and it was a great call because it sparked the offense. An offense that desperately needed a spark, and uh, it didn't turn into points though. It did. That did not turn into points. I'll say that. I mean, no, but it was it was it gave confidence in momentum. the team that the coach was going to pull out all the stops. I'd yeah. say you know it was not a conservative play by any means. And what really happened by the fourth quarter was that Missouri was the bigger, better team, and they wore down Minnesota. And by the end, Hansborough and Murphy just absolutely took it to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. At the beginning of this game, though, I was worried. I mean, Matty Mock was being Matty Mock. Our running game was not going. I know, would, it, everything looked bad. <laughs> I was worried until Marcus Murphy ran the second long yard fourth quarter run. He had like a 68-yard run after Hansborough's touchdown. Put us into red zone again, and that would have put up, ended up putting us up two scores. Until that happened, I was still nervous because it was a close game. And, it, you know, the st- score doesn't indicate it, but... Colin, I think what I'd like to talk to you a little bit about was that uh, I was actually at the game. I went down to Orlando, and I have some insights into you know the, the game day experience because uh-huh. it is a little bit different than when you watch it on the television. Sure. First of all, not a huge crowd. As bowl games tend to be you know, spotty in attendance, there were a ton of Minnesota Golden Gophers fans there. Well, it was the first time they'd been to a New Year's uh, bowl game in 53 years. So there was a lot of excitement for Minnesota, but there was an alternate theory as to why there were so many Minnesota fans there. Minnesota is negative 44 to fucking degrees, and it was uh, <laughs> 75 degrees in Orlando, Florida. So, yeah, uh, In fact, Matty Muck was seen throwing up on the sidelines. Uh, they, sidelines. they were saying uh, from heat, 
heat exhaustion. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the heat was getting to him. He either had uh, heat exhaustion, somewhat a stomach bug, or perhaps uh, just uh, morning sickness. I don't know. He'd eaten a tremendous amount of pussy the night before, is what I've heard, <laughs> uh, which you know didn't help. The other theory I had heard, which is that Buffalo Wild Wings, being the sponsor of the day's games, he had um, basically the meat sweats. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, the meat sweats are tough. <laughs> so, but anyway, if you are a Minnesota fan, or if you just live in Minnesota, get the fuck out of there in January <laughs> and go to a bowl game in Orlando. So there were a lot of Minnesota fans in Orlando. The other thing I want to tell you is uh, the Citrus Bowl is a is a dump. <laughs> <laughs> they they renovated the Citrus Bowl itself, and it's fine as far as stadiums go, but it is in the middle of a atrocious neighborhood. It is a. It, <sighs> A del- desolate hellscape, it is straight a, out of Mad Max. <laughs> it, it is a desolate hellscape. Uh, I was doing the most yuppie thing one could do while at a bowl game, which was looking for a cup of coffee. There are no Starbucks in the neighborhood, I will tell you that. There are a preponderance of Popeye's chicken <laughs> and Church's chicken. Those were all open for business. Everything else, Everything else was locked down and had bars on the windows. But other than that, it was a beautiful place to play a football game. The other thing was... The the speak loudspeakers were going at full volume the entire time, so I heard Buffalo Wild. I'm deaf in my left ear from B- Buffalo Wild Wings commercials, and the PA announcers like they had done no practice. Marcus Murphy was described as Marcus Murray <laughs> multiple <laughs> occasions, and uh, you could hear his assistant in the background tackle by number twenty three. The PA guy would go tackle by number twenty three. It was just a shit show, but Mizzou won, so who cares? Well, you'd think. I mean. We're not talking about the Tax Slayer Bowl or the Birmingham Bowl. You'd think the Citrus Bowl being one of the top-tier bowl games that they would have their shit together a little more than that. Well, you know, they were trying to become one of the the BCS Bowls during the BCS era, and they also wanted to be one of the the New Year's Six, you know, the Mm -hmm. Cotton Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl and all those. But uh, I have to think that the shitty neighborhood and shit show that is the Citrus Bowl uh, organizers uh, has kept them out. There's a reason there that... The number one out instead of the last one in. Yeah. Going back to the game, Brennan, I watched the game at home, obviously, and you didn't get to hear the announcers. You didn't get to hear the announcers give a lot of credit to the Missouri offensive line. And they were obviously watching a different game for more large portions of this game than I was. And now, granted, now they did do some good things, especially towards the end of the game. You could really see Open Minnesota's balls, defense yeah. getting tired and uh, the Missouri offensive line washing out huge portions of the defensive line and, and making holes for those running backs. But... Again, Matty Mock did not have a lot of time, especially in the beginning of the game when Minnesota's defense was fresh, watching our uh, offensive line being pushed into the backfield, uh, tackles for loss. Um, I hate to be negative after a big bowl win, but it just reiterated to me that there needs to be some serious work on the offensive line. I'm not sold on Matty Mock from the standpoint of he just continues to make bad decisions, and I know he doesn't have much time behind this line, and for that... I forgive a little bit of it and say, well, maybe Matty Mock will develop and, and get better, and certainly he, there's that opportunity for him to do that. But I feel like Matty Mock is a bit of a rockhead, gunslinger type, and that's all well and good if you have Brett Favre ability, but he doesn't have Brett Favre ability, and he just makes me fucking nervous. And behind this just patchwork shit offensive line, it's it's hard to watch um, well, at times. He did fucking absolutely blister a safety and give him a concussion, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed, and so did Matty Mock. But I feel like Matty Mock's head is full of, like, shredded paper and, uh, like, 
boxed peanuts uh, for shipping, and so when you hit him directly in the face with your helmet, it does little to affect him. It's like you can hurt his legs, you can make him pull a groin, you can break one of his ribs, but the one place you cannot hurt Matty Mock is by hitting him in the head. <laughs> I want to talk about that for a second because you're right. It was a great play, and it's the kind of thing that makes you forgive a lot of what is terrible about Matty Mock, but the reports were that when he blistered the safety and knocked him on his ass, he screamed down at him from the ground, like a tiger in the jungle. <laughs> rockhead. That's a fucking rockhead. Does he plan to say that? Like a tiger in the jungle? Well, he, uh, yeah, a, that's what he was Is it spontaneous? Do. I guess. Well, it's who we have. And I know that you've been hard on the offensive line uh, all year. And I right, don't think rightfully so, so. Rightfully so. And I, yeah. Brendan, the reason I say that, I feel I know you're going to apologize for him a little bit. But listen, the offensive line is important. And it is to my mind, the biggest problem with this football team right now. It has got to get better, and whether people want to recognize it or not, because Jesse Palmer, whether fucking dirtbag is announcing the game, wants to give them a little credit every time somebody pulls and makes a block. The fact is is that they're as bad as they are good. You know what I mean? There is not, it's not an 80-20 split. It's more of a 50-50 split, and that's got to get better. Honestly, at this point in the season, though, uh, we're in January and the season's over, I'm more concerned about what is bad in the next year and my concern is less about the offensive line uh, although those problems are going to persist and we'll have to deal with that it's the wide receiving core and it obviously took a hit this year with the loss of dgb and with the loss of uh washington and you know the guys we had the seniors we lost and and jimmy hunt and bud sasser having to step up well now sasser and hunt are gone as well and we did not see a lot of the young players get a lot of action darius white's gone he was nowhere to be seen in the bowl game. I guess actually. my thing with the wide receivers is I always feel like I never know who's coming. But every year, here they come. You yeah, I mean? except last year when, when we had uh I mean, replacing Washington DGB and, and Washington, it, that's the, but those are really good wide receivers. But I think for the most part, you're going to have, from year to year, you're going to have average wide receivers. I understand that, but the, what I'm getting at is that Jimmy Hunt and Bud Sasser made plays last year. They may not have been the leading receivers last year, but they were in the offense. Mm-hmm. This year, nobody else is in the offense. Nate Brown gets a couple catches, maybe. Leftwich, and, Lee. And let's talk about tight end. We don't have one. Sean Culkin, who is Thor, is the absolutely worst. the worst. He is he, the fucking he's worst. He's good to drop a very catchable pass every game, at least one. Well, oh, Brennan, you reminded me of something I wanted to bring up when I was watching that game. Uh, not only can Sean Culkin not catch footballs, he can't block either. Yeah. Um, one of the plays where we were in the red zone, we ended up kicking a field goal, was because Sean Culkin completely fucking ran by a guy running towards Matty Mock and went out and blocked at the second level, inexplicably letting the first guy just run right by him. I don't. Then, uh, what's that other... Eckhard, I think, is the other tight end you've never heard of who is in on when they bring in jumbo packages. He completely fucking whiffed on a block in the red zone. Our tight ends cost us points this in this game. And uh, it's one thing when Culkin cannot fucking catch a cold, but it's another thing when he can't fucking block either. I, I feel like he's only there to look pretty... And I, I don't know. I just can't believe we don't have something better to, to offer at tight end. His primary skill does appear to be growing hair because that's the only <laughs> thing I've seen him do all year long that makes me really proud at, at all from a tight end standpoint. He's going to be the starting tight end next year. There's little question about <sighs> oh, that. Um, but he's got to improve. I mean, he they, they tried every week 
to get him into the game at some level. And every week, maybe he'd, he'd catch a couple like first down catches for eight yards or something. But then that was it. He'd be absent. And, and with this of offensive game. line being this bad, like the underneath stuff, the drag routes, the tight end, they should have been Matty Mock's best friend. Yeah. Instead, he never threw him the ball. And I don't think that's by accident. I think maybe they did try to get him involved a little bit, but... I think there's another part of me that says we can't live with this guy. Don't throw him the ball that often because he's not going to fucking catch it. I think it. it's a combination of not having trust in Colkin, and it's a combination of Matty Mock not really having even any progressions to go through. He has one, maybe two looks, and then he either flips around and runs like a fucking crazy person. Like a, <laughs> in circles. Like a like whirling dervish. in circles. Or he just tosses the ball out of bounds or gets sacked immediately. So those are his only options. Before we end this segment of the show, I think we should also mention the MVP and probably our uh, Kirk Farmer's hair player, player of the game, game uh, Marcus Golden, and oh, who, Marcus Golden, I'm who was, miss you. looked terrific, uh, ended the season with ten sacks. Um, actually, when you compare him and Ray's stats, they're not after this game are not that distant from one another. I think it was twenty tackles for loss to twenty two and a half tackles for loss, fourteen sacks to ten sacks. Um, I, I think forced fumbles. Ray was there, and Ray had two forced fumbles in this game. We should mention as well, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, and half a sack. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Golden, we'll have to remember, played injured a lot of this season. Yeah. And had he not, had he been healthy the entire year, I think he would have definitely surpassed Shane Ray. Shane Ray is a great player, but uh, but Golden might be the better of the two. And uh, I think they'll both declare for the draft this year. They're going to continue Missouri's legacy of strong defensive players in the NFL. I think I, what you're going to see here is a classic situation where at the college level now, uh, Ray had a better season. If Golden had been healthy, he may have been the better college football player. Ray ultimately is the better pro pos- prospect. It's a very Coney Ely, uh, Michael Sam situation. Yeah. So it, it any in, in any case, Golden was the Citrus Bowl MVP as well as the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Congratulations, Marcus Golden. And uh, Missouri's going to have to make some adjustments on that D line. We're really going to miss those guys because when our secondary, when our defensive backs weren't completely up to grade the pressure applied to those quarterbacks really made up for it and and held this season together because when the offense was dead the defense always stood firm and managed to whip us into 11 wins and uh those guys were a big part of the reason why yeah I f- we're gonna have to do some podcasts obviously through the off season um and one of those is we don't when have we, to well <laughs> when we get information about who are the individuals going to be replacing these people, and, and what kind? What can we expect from them? We'll we'll bring that information to you when when people who are smarter than us and pay a lot more attention than us tell us. Those, Unfortunately, us those there's a lot of people who fit that category. Oh God! Most than us. every single uh, podcaster, blogger, um, uh, sports writer that covers Missouri, pretty much newscaster. Yeah, it's, it's more. Uh, educated, uh, more informed, certainly pay more attention than either of Sheltered us. Sheltered workshop employee. Yeah. Uh, you can get that sort of information from lots of places, you know, uh, Power Mizzou or uh, Chris Gervino or I'd say Rock M Nation, but as soon as they the basketball season started, Rock M Nation forgot we had a football team, essentially. <laughs> but, um, well, how can you blame them? The basketball team's so exciting. <laughs> anyway, Brendan. Great bowl win for our Missouri Tigers. They beat Minnesota, whose coach literally looked like a gopher. I don't know if that was by coincidence or mm-hmm. if that Jared was Kill. completely on purpose, but it, they, it was uh, off-putting. <laughs> He's definitely of the uh, Bill Snyder school of being old. <laughs> yeah. But, He's a strange-looking fella. Uh, I, but before we go, I did want to say one more thing about being at the bowl, and that is Minnesota was tough to hate in person. 
Because I know they have a reputation, but they earn it of being super Midwestern Minnesota nice. Polite. Oh, oh they were boy. so nice. And there was literally one your woman. You boys team, the Tigers, boy, they're really good. Oh, I'm not lying. There was literally one woman who was walking by and goes, we're both M states in the middle of the country. we got to stick together. And I was like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs> if I had paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go down to Florida to watch my team lose, I would not be saying, let's stick together with the other teams. I would be saying... More curse words than usual, and they would all be applying to the team that just beat me. But uh, the Minnesota folk were kindly. There was one bitter man on uh, Facebook. I don't Good. know if you saw that. No, uh, I didn't. Yeah. He, he was, he, you know, a lot of fuck Mizzou, and he made a lot of references to like inbreeding and poor education and like right. things like that that we make when we're talking about you know everybody else. Yeah. 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 So I felt like, hey, this guy looks at us because he's probably not great at geography and thinks Missouri SEC. This is the South, fucking Southern douchebags, and that's basically what he's alluding to. I'm like, I'm kind of glad, hey, somebody looks at us like we're in the South. It's oh, Minnesota, but it's... Well, you know what? Basically, the way that works for everyone in the in the country is that uh, whoever's to the South of you, you mock relentlessly. Because they, do, they are, I think as the heat rises, you get progressively stupider because you have time to just relax in the sun and fuck rather than study. And, I mean, Minnesota can do that to us. We do it to Arkansas, you know, and... and Florida does it to Cuba, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Those stupid Cubans. <laughs> so uh, who can blame him? And, uh, you know, he had the right spirit. Maybe maybe he listens to the show, and he, he, he uses us as an example of how to act whenever you win. Be bitter. Curse. <laughs> yeah, he certainly was that. And belittle your rivals. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break, and then when we come back, I think we'd like to talk a little bit about the rest of the bowl season in the SEC because it's been quite an adventure, and maybe not as analysts had predicted. So uh, stay tuned for that. This is the Mazadcast. Stop! Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. And we're back, and so Missouri wasn't the only team to play in a big bowl this year. Uh, 12 of the 14 SEC teams made the bowls this year. I think that might be a record for bowl season. Of course, there's 115,000 bowls, so it's pretty hard not to make a bowl. But the only ones left out of the party were Vanderbilt and Kentucky. The rest of the SEC went bowling all year long. People have said how great the SEC West was and how weak the SEC East was. I mean, a lot of people said that at the SEC all season long, SEC East has been hot garbage. Hot garbage. But the SEC West this bowl season was absolutely hot garbage. Hot garbage. Absolutely hot garbage. Hot garbage. It started off good for the SEC West. Some of the early bowls were Texas A&M and Arkansas playing uh, like the 29th of December. Yep. So the bowl season started... To go chronologically, uh, the first bowl game for the SEC began with an SEC East South Carolina taking on Miami, Florida. and uh, The Independence Bowl, I believe. Yeah, the Duck Commander Independence Bowl. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, Duck Buck Dynasty. Dynasty. I, I, forgot to, I forgot the Duck Commander. Please forgive me, Duck Dynasty fans. Fucking Duck Dynasty. Anyways. Uh, Colin, this, this, this bowl game was interesting to me because near the end of the season, four 
ACC teams beat four SEC teams, and the ACC was really happy about it because of the SEC talk all year long. Oh, yeah. So South Carolina had been hot garbage most of the season. Hot, hot, Absolutely. And so going up against Miami, one of the um, SEC or the ACC's bowl teams was was a big deal, and uh, South Carolina carried the day. Yeah, and uh, inexplicably, I really didn't have a lot of confidence in South Carolina going into this. There's always a question of how much motivation these teams had to play in these bowls when they mean absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. And uh, South Carolina was not a team that, to me, looked like a team with a great deal of motivation. Of course, I don't know where Miami's head was at in this either. But, uh, yeah, South Carolina pulls it off. The uh, old head football coach, Chase uh, Barrier. Um, got the win, and uh, good you on him. Know, yeah, I think it was just a pride game. I mean, both of these teams went into the game 500, so it was a chance to solidify a winning season for them. That's really all they had to play Much for. Much like uh, Florida State, uh, when Miami is good, and they're not good right now, but when Miami's good, they're one of the nation's favorite teams to hate. If you're a Miami fan, you're, you love Miami, and if you're anybody else, you fucking hate their guts more, right. more than most. So I feel like... Maybe Jake, South Carolina had some motivation, like, fuck the U, let's beat the U. Yeah, well, you know, only Jameis Winston can make people hate somebody else more than Miami. Yeah. In the ACC. He's and like a Jesus Christ of hatred. He he's is. like an anti-Jesus Christ. He's like a black hole. He's like, the, he just sucks all hate towards his person. But yeah. uh, Raping people will have that effect. <laughs> i just throw that out there. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, with that, uh, getting back to what I was saying about the SEC West, they, they started out pretty good. On the 29th of, of December, Texas A&M and Arkansas both played, uh, respectively, the Liberty Bowl and the Texas Bowl. and uh, The Advocare Texas Bowl, Brennan. <laughs> okay, yeah. Do you want to forget about Advocare, the uh, snake oil that uh, they were peddling the entire time <laughs> that bowl was on? Well, that can't be right. Athletes use it, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, if you use this Kool-Aid powder and yeah. put it in your drink, then you will lose weight. And magically. develop superpowers, and uh, your dick will grow at least 30 inches. And it's just science. <laughs> if yeah. we sponsor a bowl game, how can we be bullshit? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Arkansas played Texas, and this was fun for Missouri fans because... Eviscerate. Fuck Texas. Yes, fuck those guys. Fuck um, yeah, and I mean, just took it to him, which I kind of feel like we kind of predicted. Everybody, I think everybody predicted this. Texas we is did. not very good. We did. Everybody saw Arkansas getting a whole lot better towards the end of the season. I mean, a whole lot better. They looked like a team on fire when they came to play Mizzou, and Mizzou um, beat them. But uh, it was gave, a huge win yeah. until Arkansas fans told us they weren't any good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But anyway. Everybody, I think, uh, deep down knew Arkansas was kind of one of the hotter teams in the West, right? I don't think, though, that Arkansas wouldn't have beat LSU or probably any of the Mississippi teams or anybody else at this point pretty handily. And I they agree. gave Texas a absolute butt ramming, uh, pushed their turds way, way up there. Texas had one touchdown in the second quarter, and that was it for their scoring. And, of course, Arkansas has been keeping people off the boards, except for the Missouri games. They've been shutting folks out. So not a huge surprise, but it's also it's always good to see Texas being just complete hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. And with Texas folks saying that their worst years are better than our best years, I think this is just another chance to prove that's complete bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I so, think they're... Because this was a terrible, terrible year for Texas. Finishing yep. strong at 6-7. and seven. Go yep. fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Fuck uh, Texas A&M, though, 45-37 over West Virginia. Kind of a this, shootout. Yeah, this game, especially in the beginning, you know, 14-20 in the first quarter... It looked like it could go 85 to 75. Yeah, I was like, this, I literally, I think I talked to you on the phone and said, I think this game, you know, might end in eight, 78 to 84 or something like that, the way at the clip they were scoring, but it slowed down a bit, uh, 45 37, the final. 
Texas A&M, uh, Nobody knows what enig- to think. Yeah, they're an you, enigma. <laughs> they're like Missouri in that you don't know what to think about them. They just sucked more. They had a better offense than Missouri, if you like. They obviously didn't have our defense. That's the problem with Texas A&M. They never have a fucking defense. Uh, but... Uh, I hear, you know, I keep saying Kevin Sumlin's a fucking stone-cold dum-dum, and I'll stand by that because if you listen to the – maybe it's just a, the myriad of coach speak he gives me that just gives me this assumption that he he's a fucking retard. But I heard his name mentioned when they were talking about job openings in the NFL. And I'm like, why Kevin Sumlin? Of all the coaches in the SEC, why him? What has he done that makes you think, yeah, this guy can coach at the next level? Uh, I, I don't understand, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're enamored by offense is the only thing I can think of. But anyway, so so at this point, the SEC's looking strong. 3-0 and in bowl season. Two wins from the vaunted SEC West. And then Tuesday happened. And then Tuesday happened. Well, Georgia kept things going strong for the East. They played Louisville, which is another ACC matchup. So that worked out well for the SEC because Georgia took it to yeah. the Louisville Cardinals. They clubbed them down with their big, meaty, flesh, fleshy rod of football, and uh, Louisville um, didn't put up much of a fight. I, I think Georgia and Arkansas, coming out of this bowl season, they both look strong going into 2015, uh, I have to say. They, I don't want to play either one of them. Uh, we have to play both of them. Yeah, we're going to have to play Georgia in Georgia again. Fuck's sake. So, and uh, we're going to play Arkansas at Arkansas. So, yippee for 2015 us. No doubt. Um, the other half of the Tuesday docket, LSU-Notre Dame. Uh, this, this drives me nuts because... I, I mentioned, I think, last time we had a podcast that I would love to play Notre Dame in a, in a bowl game because I yep. always think they're overrated. And fucking LSU had to blow this game, and they literally did blow this game at the end. They, they gave up the late field goal for the loss. Um, I hate it when Notre Dame wins any game, and LSU was a disaster this season, if you ask me. Eight and five is what they finished the season at. And they were one of those SEC West teams which nobody wanted to play early on. They looked like just a competitor, maybe not for the for the SEC West title, but certainly one of the top teams in the country. And and they absolutely they're gonna finish out of the top twenty five. Yeah, I liked LSU at the beginning of the season. I felt like they were kind of a dark horse just from the standpoint I thought they were going to be a big physical talented football team that People thought maybe it was a little young or weren't paying a lot of attention to because they were busy talking about the Alabamas of the world and the Auburns. I thought, you know, watch out. LSU could sneak up and bite somebody in the ass, and they didn't. The only person they bit in the ass was themselves. Yeah, this was uh, the beginning of what, to me, I got worried. I'm like, really? Yeah. Really, LSU? And so, then it just this was let- the This was the first crack in the SEC West armor. It was, By the way, it was the Franklin American Mortgage <laughs> Music City Bowl. And so, you know, that's that's a historic classic bowl. Yeah, um, the fact that that was the name of the bowl probably should have told you the way LSU was played all season. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so Wednesday. New Year's Eve happened. Uh, this is the... Um, this is when the dam broke. Yeah, this is this is this was a uh, Mississippi Holocaust, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, Which, you know... Mississippi's had its own racial problems. I don't think you need to throw the Jews in there with them. <laughs> so, Old Miss, uh, TCU. Now, this was a fucking bloodbath. Oh, my God. TCU had something to prove. Fucking boat race. And I've been bitching about TCU all year long. I didn't think they deserved to be in it. Not because they weren't playing well, but because they had gotten beat by Baylor, who had the same record as them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, neither Baylor nor TCU made the cut for the Final Four. But uh, This had people, after the game, going... Did the selection committee make a mistake with Ohio State? Yeah. Now, later, Ohio State would obviously answer that question. But at that point, Ohio State hadn't played yet, and TCU, 42-3, to just absolutely pushed 
Old Miss to the ground, ripped down the back of their shorts, inserted their veiny rod of football against Old Miss's will. No consent, Old Miss. <laughs> no, it was it was dirty and ugly and gross. It just got gross. It was a kite runner situation. Look it up. <laughs> um <laughs> It, it was bad, and, and TCU had something to prove, obviously. The only person I'd heard that didn't agree with Ohio State's being selected above TCU and Baylor at, before the bowl season was, was Pat Forty from Yahoo Sports, who I mm-hmm. usually love, proud Mizzou grad. And he really thought that TCU or Baylor was, had the better resume. But uh, I can't – based on what happened this year – it's hard to make an argument that the selection committee was wrong, but TCU, I think, could have competed with any of these teams based on what they did against Ole Miss, unless Ole Miss completely laid down. Well, they did lay down. Yeah, they, they fell apart a little bit. I wonder if Ole Miss had a little bit of the, uh, you know, like I said, we talked about what kind of motivation these individuals will have going into these bowl games, because, especially when they don't truthfully mean anything. And Ole Miss, a team that probably had had visions of um, the first BC, uh, well, it's not BCS, the first playoff uh, appearance. They, yeah, yeah, they're going to be there. We're going to be part of the playoffs, and then their uh, their their season fell apart, and maybe playing TCU for them was a letdown. But god damn, it was ugly. Well, and the the other side, the mirror image of that uh, of this illiterate racist state, <laughs> Mississippi, was uh, the Mississippi State team, who for a good period of the season was number one in the country, has just completely the bottom fell out, and they played Georgia Tech. We've been talking about these ACC matchups. Well, Mississippi State, they were able to put points on the board, but they absolutely got throttled. They had no defensive yeah. answer for Georgia well, Tech. Well, I told I said this was a bad draw. Uh, Georgia Tech, to me, towards the end of the season, looked good. And, uh, you know, they, they, they had an offense that could score. And I looked at the way Mississippi State ended their season, the way Georgia Tech ended their season, and mm-hmm. I, saw this, I saw this one coming. Um, yeah, that's right. And, you know, big bowl games, too, national – yeah. Media attention, Orange Bowl for the Mississippi State team, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl for Ole Miss, just completely did not show up. Embarrassed the conference, frankly, um, and certainly made the SEC West look bad. That was their third consecutive yeah. SEC so West loss. this is when the tweets rained down upon the SEC West. This is when it began. <laughs> because everyone in the country who is not an SEC fan has been waiting for years for this sort of collapse, and it finally happened. They're so happy about it. And, uh, and, it, and it led us into New Year's Day. This Paul Feinbaum was probably in his basement sucking his thumb at this point. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. But it was New Year's Day that really put him in the fetal position. Uh, Missouri had the early game. And of course, they came up and won against Minnesota. A great Citrus Bowl performance. So the SEC remained undefeated at that yep. point. So Missouri continues to disappoint Paul Feinbaum by, <laughs> by winning, yes. Yep. Uh, but Auburn played Wisconsin. Wisconsin, keep in mind, had just gotten clobbered 59 to nothing in the Big Ten Championship game. Yes. So surely Auburn's going to win. Auburn's so good. Yeah, yep. they were title contenders last year. They did not win. No, they did not. It was an overtime game. They, it was very close, but Wisconsin pulled off the overtime victory, thirty-four to thirty-one. Auburn finished the season eight and five. I'm glad Hugh Freeze got his money last year because it wouldn't have been a big payday for no. him this season. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin wins in overtime. Wisconsin was better than the team that showed up against Ohio State, but um, that's true. Well, I mean, they have, did not show up against Ohio. Yeah, State. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is kind of the way I figured this game would go. I didn't see these guys as uh, anything but kind of on par with one another. I think I said in our last podcast that well, SEC were. fans would not want to hear that, but I feel like they were, they're both kind of the second-tier teams in their, their respective conferences, and um, I did not see this being a blowout either way, and it wasn't, and uh, ultimately Wisconsin wins it and continues to uh, give 
SEC haters uh, more ammunition. ammunition. Yeah. yeah, so that was what was it, four consecutive bowl game losses for the West at this point. Yep. But surely the ship's going to be righted that night when the first ever college football playoff got underway. The Sugar Bowl. Alabama played Ohio State. And it started out the way every Alabama, and truthfully every SEC fan, wanted it to start out. Absolutely. 14-6, to six, you thought, this is going to be a TCU situation. Alabama's going to boat race the fuck out of these assholes. It's over. And then they went ahead and scored like 28 or something, 24 unanswered points. Alabama was reeling, had no idea what the fuck was going on. Nick Saban's, I literally thought his head was going to fucking explode. He looked so befuddled and angry, and who could blame him? Uh, oh, all the Lane Kiffin fans. Oh, oh boy, that, that table turned. Paul Feinbaum, I can't even remember what the name of the award was. It's the, it's the national award for the best assistant coach in the nation. Um, and I was watching the Dave fine Steckle ball. Dave Steckle was one of the finalists. Dave Steckle was one of the, uh, one of the finalists. Um, I, w- I didn't even – I was watching Feinbaum, and he's like, well, Lane Kiffin was uh, nominated for this award uh, today, uh, best assistant coach in the nation. Uh, it's well-deserved. I don't even know who the other candidates are, but the, I don't really need to know. Lane Kiffin is uh, easily the, uh, the winner of this award. And I thought, well, that's fucking ridiculous. If you don't even know who he's going up against, it's kind of hard to say he's easily the winner. But that's kind of how Feinbaum works. But – and I want to know why he's so good. Alabama, it's not like Alabama was the worst team in the country last year, and now they're... And it's not like their offense was, like, setting the world on fire either. Right. I don't understand. It was just, he was, they had, Alabama hitched their wagon to Lane Kiffin, and therefore Lane Kiffin is good. Right. And then Lane Kiffin showed you exactly why he's been fired from just about every other fucking job he's had in this bowl game, as the clock management, the play calling, everything was just garbage, hot Hot garbage. Hot, hot, hot garbage. garbage. Hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. And um, Ohio State uh, pulled off the biggest Jesus. win in their I program's mean, history, recent history, I'd at, have to say. At some point, the game just flipped, and it looked like you know a lower-tier Division One football team going up against um, – you know, an Alabama or Ohio State. I mean, it was a thumping. It was 42-35 to 35 was the final score, but the game was not as close as the score says because uh, Alabama was just trying to keep their head above water. At the yeah. end, yeah, yeah, but... Well, they have... You know what? Alabama never has a goddamn quarterback. You know, that McElroy <laughs> douchebag that's on the oh, SEC people network People were talking Blake that Sims good. up at the end of the season, but you're right. Like, and was, um, what was it? I can't even remember the kid that's in the... Um, Play for the McCarran, Bengals now. No. McCarron, yeah. So, he, you know, these guys are not great quarterbacks. I mean, love them or hate them, Alabama has been consistently one of the top five teams in the nation. Whether that be the first or the fifth, they've been in that realm. But they have not had a top five quarterback in any of those seasons. Um, and Blake Sims is a is a, a continuation of that. He is not very good. He is, in fact, he's been overachieving at the highest level in football for a long time now, but uh, it has been an overachievement. He is not very good at playing quarterback. Well, it, you know, it, it helps you a lot when you've got the sort of tools that uh, that uh, you got Amari Cooper exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that was the big game for the entire bowl season. I think that shook up the entire college football world, and it was the icing on the cake for the SEC West, who absolutely got their tub stumped this season. The only two wins they managed to squeak out were Texas A&M and Arkansas, the bottom of the SEC West. Yep. Keep in mind, the entire SEC West was in a bowl game this year, and their the next, bottom two teams were the only ones to pull out a win. The next morning, uh, for those familiar with the Feinbaum show, Phyllis, the famous Alabama caller, was found in a pile of quaaludes clutching a picture of um, – Nick Saban, she had taken her own life uh, as a result of this outcome. And uh, I saw that, she, uh, sadly, she had a, a replica of the 2009 
uh, BCS trophy <laughs> rammed into her uterus. <laughs> yep, it's unfortunate. So, um, so Friday happened. Uh, which well, is, let's get, uh, before you get into Friday and Saturday, I just want to say these are the bowls that do not matter. Yeah, these. If you were playing on uh, January second or January third, your season was hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. I, it's, I don't know why they had these bowls. It was just like the consolation prize that everybody's just – they're coming down from a Brennan, hangover of, I want college football. Brennan, it's like a, being a heroin addict. I mean, you've just force-fed his heroin for like a fucking week straight, and now this is the methadone. We're going to uh, bring you – we're going to exactly. dial you back. We can't just cut you off from all this college football mayhem mm-hmm. to no college football whatsoever. So we're going to give you the methadone that is – The tax slayer bowl. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah, so Tennessee played Iowa. Another SEC Big Ten matchup, maybe not the same caliber as the uh, Ohio State-Alabama game, but better news for the SEC and certainly the SEC East. The eyebrowless wonder led the Tennessee Volunteers in a tub-thumping of Iowa. That guy is creepy. (laughs) Is he an alien? (laughs) I think he might be. Have you ever seen that SNL skit where they, Greg... Oh, <laughs> Greg is not an alien. I feel like maybe this kid's an alien, and they're just trying to assimilate him into human uh, culture, and just like nobody's going to notice that he doesn't have eyebrows if we just just play it cool, man. Nobody's going to notice. We, we're noticing he doesn't have eyebrows. Somebody email us, tweet us, Joshua Dobbs. Is it a is it a health condition? Is it a religious choice? Why do you have no eyebrows? <laughs> yeah. and it's not just that he doesn't maybe have eyebrows. Like, he's got like a he's got like a forehead like a caveman. <laughs> Yeah, on frozen caveman lawyer forehead, which only exacerbates. Maybe the it weirdness. is a religious thing. I never even considered that. I, has anyone seen Dasha Dobbs out of a football uniform? Is he wearing like a floor length <laughs> denim skirt? He's going. He's handing out roses at the airport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got those little Gideon Bibles all over the. And his like locker room is just full of Gideon Bibles. His locker overflowing with them. I don't know. It's well, it's creepy. He managed to pull off the win. Eyebrows be damned. Uh, <laughs> Forty-five to twenty-eight. Tennessee took it to Iowa pretty well. Iowa is on the way. Down Tennessee looks to be on the way up. Tennessee might be another team we have to worry about next year. Um, actually, like I said, at this point the SEC East was four and zero. You have to start to wonder: Is there sort of a changing of the guard in the SEC? At I this don't point? think so. I don't think so. I think a big part of that, and as much as I hate to say this, and uh, because I, we're part of the SEC. East is I think the SEC West had to play higher caliber deep teams, and the only the only wins that the SEC West got were against uh, Texas, you know, and lower caliber teams like that. So, you know, I'd love to say that, but we played Minnesota, not Ohio State, you uh, know, and that's definitely true. Tennessee uh, played Iowa, uh, not Wisconsin. You know what I mean? It's it, there's some difference there. That that I, mean, I think that's a good point, but I think one thing that it leads me to and it's something you don't hear on the fine bomb show or any of the national media is because all they talk about was the alabama game is that uh yeah they did didn't talk about anything and, and they use a lot of people use it as evidence of the weakening of the sec but that i think the florida went ahead spoiler alert one five their their game as well so that we were sec west east was five and oh I think it speaks to how good the SEC actually is. People will use the Alabama game and or the West performance to tell you how weak it is now, but well, we had 12 teams in this thing, and... We never made this argument. We never said the SEC West was just just this dominant, so much better than everybody else. It was just a per capita game. Right. You know, if anything, this is just evidence to what we've been saying, is that the SEC East is the best conference in America because they have the most good teams top to bottom, which is which is also 
proven by how many teams went to bowl games. I mean, right. they had you know all but two teams went to bowl games. Um, they're competitive from top to bottom. You you have you don't you have one bottom feeder. I mean, because even Kentucky, who was, didn't make a bowl game, I feel like is competitive. Sure, and, and they Vanderbilt, were one game away from a bowl game. Yeah, Vanderbilt is a bottom feeder. Right. Without Van, Vanderbilt is Kansas. Vanderbilt is Iowa State. Vanderbilt is garbage. Hot hot garbage on when it comes to football. Hot garbage. But other than that, you are going to get competitive football from top to bottom and not any other conference in the nation I feel like can make that claim. And I think and that, that's that, why the SEC is better, not because we are just, you know, the, not because Alabama's god, you know, there's, Ohio there's, State proved that they were not. <laughs> there, yeah, there's two, there's two parameters. Do you have a national title contender and how are you top to bottom? This year, the SEC looked worse from their title contention standpoint because their top teams lost. But what they showed was their mid-tier teams, their fourth, fifth, sixth best teams, are still better than the other teams, the other conferences' fourth, fifth, sixth best teams. We beat Minnesota. The Tennessee beat yeah. Iowa. We, you know, and those middle-level teams were, were still much better. Side by side, Minnesota probably is the Missouri. You know, they are on par. Right. Now, Missouri is a better team than Minnesota, but stacked side by side and parallels to who's the best. To who's the worst? Missouri and, and uh, Minnesota are probably right there around one another. And we showed that our mid-tier Missouri will kick the fuck out of your mid-tier Minnesota. Well, look what happened to Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they're the mid-tier God, in the Big Oklahoma. Twelve this year, and they got slaughtered. Oklahoma. Yeah, and they that, went against Clemson. Makes me happier. Oh, I think I think I liked dudes. watching. <laughs> I think fuck. I liked watching Oklahoma get butt raped more than I did Texas. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's the best thing Clemson's ever done. Um, go, Bob Soups, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Fuck yourself. So, yeah, I, we skipped over a little bit. Florida beat East Carolina on Saturday. Who, Who fuck cares? <laughs> it was the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, strangely enough, played in Birmingham, Alabama. Coincidence. Coincidentally. That was uh, not on purpose. <laughs> uh, no sponsor, I believe, because why would anyone waste money with it? So that, that rounded out the schedule. Uh, the big the SEC ended up 7-5 and five in bowl season, and uh, five of those wins were in the East. Yep. And five of the losses we're in the West, so it was a weird, weird year, and uh, no that, SEC team will be in the championship game. Question for you. Take me through the hours following the SEC West powerhouse Alabama's loss with Nick Saban. What did Nick Saban do uh, post-loss to Ohio State? Well, I mean, wh- where was his head at? You know, so there's five stages of grief. <laughs> and uh, the first one being anger. Mm-hmm. And you know Nick Saban—that's kind of his specialty. I think maybe he skips the rest of the steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he there, there's a step where he he blames other people, mm-hmm. you know, and that maybe that's denial. Yeah. Uh, there's a step where he cuts himself. Yep. Um, I don't know where that. I think we've alluded to that he probably strangles prostitutes. Yeah, absolutely. These, these he bosses. does that during wins, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. that's the only way he can get off anymore. <laughs> and and so uh, that th- maybe the, the cutting himself is bargaining if he if he. Gives enough blood. It, I do, it will, I do feel happened. like Nick Saban uh, would hit players, uh, would put him in a hot box, or you know, uh-huh. do those sorts of things um, if it were allowed. I feel like I see him on the sidelines, just seething, uh-huh. and I feel like a lot of a lot of physical brutality would take place if the law would allow for it. The only thing that I wouldn't think Nick Saban would ever do to uh, deal with a hard loss is speak with any charisma whatsoever. <laughs> The man is dry as a bone. Yeah. No amount of losing or winning will ever make him take up anything other than a monotone drawl that puts people to sleep. Well, and Urban Meyer 
not as much as Nick Saban. He tries to replicate that. He wants to be dry as a popcorn fart. And he, he he pulls it off for the most part, but he lets it crack once in a while. But how happy was Urban Meyer after this yeah. victory? Because everybody's talking about Saban Meyer, Saban Meyer, who's the better coach? Blah, 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 blah. Urban Meyer, the fainting goat of college football. <laughs> The fake heart attack having Urban Meyer. Yeah, um, it was a big day for the Urban Meyer family. Um, but uh, I saw knows? his wife clutching his arm while he's being interviewed after the game, tears in her eyes. And I was like, I can't imagine achieving anything where my wife would look at me with such admiration and respect. We're <laughs> 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 like clutching my arm with affection. Like, gosh, even, I'm glad this guy. I'm married to this guy. I just don't feel like there's. I just don't know what that's like. <laughs> not even on your wedding day was it? Like no, that? no, not at all. So, uh, you know, the championship game, Ohio State will go up against Oregon. And as good as Ohio State was, honestly, I don't know that they can beat Oregon. Oregon absolutely destroyed. So that's not an SEC Florida game. State. We obviously need to talk about that. SEC, no, but it's, it's the game that matters. It's the only game left. Oh, and this was the game the entire country had been waiting for all oh. year long with Jameis Winston. Not only did Jameis Winston fail miserably, mm-hmm. he made an absolute buffoon of himself doing it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the vines, one of which was uh, a wrestler uh, basically DDTing him. That's oh. the reason he fell down. An NBA player blowing on him. Uh, uh, Manti Teo's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a point at this game where he just like literally stumbled backwards, fell backwards, the ball went back, fell out of his hands. It was um, it was the butt fumble of college football. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. I hope the Jets draft him. <laughs> the, uh, but the uh, of course, what we're talking about was was the uh, battered women's shelter of America Rose Bowl. <laughs> it was not called that, <laughs> but, but it might as well have been because America was waiting for this game for so long. Yeah, they're like, and did would you, somebody finally beat this rapist? And did you Oregon see State? Oregon's? And Marcus Mariota came to the rescue. Did you see Oregon's team shouting, no means no? Yeah, no, no means no. Means no. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they're actually getting in trouble for that. Um, you know what? You may get in trouble by your university, my friends, but you will get a big kudos from, from the Mazodcast. <laughs> and I do think there's irony in that they're getting in more trouble for doing that than he actually did for the rape. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what we call, oh, sweet irony. Yeah, it's not justice, but it is irony. <laughs> the... Uh, so, anyway, yeah, uh, Jameis Winston will go home without so it was, a chance. It was competitive in the very beginning, and then mm-hmm. they scored like Oregon scored like five unanswered touchdowns. Well, and it had a lot to do with turnovers. Oh my God, Florida State coughed up the ball and coughed up the ball and coughed up the ball. This this game was pretty big because the two kind of consensus top uh, draft picks for quarterback in the college football were playing against one another in Jameis Winston, the awful, awful rapist, and Marcus Mariota, who is exactly what every coach wants. He is white bread. I mean, he is uh, just the most dry, easygoing, low-maintenance. he is Hawaiian loaf. <laughs> True enough. But, you know, uh, he's just like, He's the, your your model for your quarterback. He's going to take whatever you give him. He's going to, he's going to let you coach him up. He's going to give you zero lip. He's going to mm-hmm. lead your team to victory. I mean, he is the complete opposite of Jameis Winston, who is just a ball of talent, who is an uncontrollable, petulant child. He got in a fight with his coach on the sideline after this game. Good. To me, 24 straight wins is telling. You know, it yeah. says this guy is enormously talented. But what is also telling is the moment 
any adversity hits, the moment he loses <laughs> a game, apart. he is screaming at his coach. He is screaming at his his his, uh, uh, his teammates. He is just a dumpster fire. He reminded me of Geno Smith, who was a great quarterback. Uh, when he was winning, and a pouty fucking child when he was losing. I was happy because not only do, like America, I hate Jameis Winston, but I kind of hate Jimbo Fisher because Jimbo Fisher's kind of been a bitch about the entire uh, Jameis Winston situation. He won't answer questions. Mm -hmm. He defends him when he's indefensible. I mean, yeah, you want your your coach to defend your players, but not when they're criminals. No, no. You'd like... You'd like someone to take a rapist to task. So anyway, <laughs> had had Alabama won against Ohio State, I don't know that they could beat this this Oregon team. They're such a run and gun team, and Alabama is such a conservative state, well, old school SEC team. Ohio State's I'll say this: Ohio State's defense looked fucking smothering in the second half of that football game. So it'll be a nice, it'll be a cool matchup uh, with Oregon. I mean, yeah. for sure. If only they could both lose. Um, but honestly, I, I if we have to make predictions, and we don't, I am going to say um, Oregon will beat Ohio State. I don't know. I want to pick Oregon. I want to. I want Oregon to win this game. I, I hate Ohio State. I do too. The Ohio State. But Fuck you, the why? Ohio State. A Ohio State. That's what you are to me. You're just a Ohio State. The, um, the reason I'm, I think I'm going to pick Ohio State is because did you see their quarterback? At 6'5", 230 pounds, running over defensive linemen for yeah. fucking Art Alabama. That guy's an absolute fucking man-child. Backup quarterback. Christ. Third Jesus. string. Not backup. Yeah. And that would, insu- that would insinuate that he was the second choice. He is their yeah. third choice. And he is roughly the size of the Hulk <laughs> from comic books. And he just... Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, he, st- he stomps <laughs> Not, not from Detroit. <laughs> from comic books. <laughs> He was just like like pushing people out of the way. Literally, they went they went for it on a third down or went for it. I shouldn't say, but you know, it was like third and one at the fourteen, like early on in the game, and it was like a tipping point right before they made like an eighty five yard run for a touchdown. He got hit twice before he got to the line of scrimmage and still managed to get the yard for the first down. And I'm just like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, this guy is ridiculous. It, it may be the most impressive thing about Ohio State is that they um, a lot of people had written them off after they lost their quarterbacks. And uh, they're still – they beat one of the best teams in the country handily. And, yeah, there's something to contend with. I don't make the Oregon State – or the Oregon pick easily. I don't know – I would not put money on this game. But if I had to choose between the two, goddamn Oregon was impressive. Well, so. I, you know, and now I'm sitting here talking to myself in my head, as I often do. Um, or, At least there's lots you of talking vo- in your head. <laughs> there's lots that. of voices up there. But I'm thinking, you know, when you're betting and you're going to have to pick a team, you pick the team with a better quarterback. And it's hard to pick against Mariota. He yeah. is, uh, he's a special special player. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take a break, Colin. Uh, settle ourselves in because it's the final uh, segment of Kansas news for the season. And I think we need to be ready for it. Yeah. it's just, I'm, it, I'm just pulling at my heartstrings a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, well, let's pull it together, and we'll be back. This is the Mazzotcast. Violets are due with three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. Fuck Kansas. <laughs> well, it's time again for Kansas news. And yay. Yay, Kansas news. I almost forget about Kansas this time of year because uh, football Bowl games are going on. Yeah, yeah. Football bowl games are going on, and Kansas is in no way participating in that in several, several, several years. No, no, um, no. And probably is not going to for, um, for well, ever probably. That's right. Uh, Kansas and bowl games do not go hand in hand in most no, people's minds. They do not. But Kansas and fucked up news 
definitely go hand in hand together. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get with it. Well, according to the Lawrence Journal World, some sad news. There's been a rise in homeless students continuing in Kansas public schools. I guess this is news, uh, but it's just what you would assume. Yeah, it's just like the state in the state in the what. The obvious, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it says the number of homeless students in Kansas public schools continues to increase with about a 1,000 more homeless students last year than the previous year, according to state officials. The Kansas Department of Education said nearly 10,000 homeless students attended public schools last year. Just imagine Honey Boo Boo without the television show and the the income that comes from that. And you pretty much have – that's that's what I feel like I think of when I think of Kansas. I I don't know how these statistics are put together because I don't know what they define as a home. I feel like a lot of trailers – a lot of cigarettes. Barely apply. A lot of state yeah. insurance. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, but there's what I'm saying is a lot of hovels and cardboard shanties and lean-tos. <laughs> they do – they're technically homes, <laughs> but do they count? Yeah. I, I think – I think the sad statement about this article is, Brendan, they do count those, and there are people that don't have those. (laughs) So actually it says in the article that uh, even if uh, students have roofs over their heads, children children doubling up in other people's homes are considered in unstable situations. I'm going to take take a little bit of umbrage with this statement. It's like Mm – there was a time in this country where homeless meant literally homeless. Yes. And now it doesn't mean homeless. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I want homeless to mean you don't have a home. Like, if I don't care if you're staying with somebody else. If that place has a roof and you're living there, then by definition, it is your home. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I think homeless, I think refrigerator box. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't have a home. I'm living in a refrigerator box. I am therefore homeless. Well, and I think, though, if you are a Kansas statistician, statistician? Kansas stat maker. Okay. Um, cardboard box is definitely a home. I mean, that's probably high life for a lot of Kansas residents. I mean, well, I don't know. Say a box. For, you said refrigerator. Re- box. You said refrigerator box. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's a big box. I mean, you know, television box. Plus, you because there's be such a, a heavy piece of equipment. I don't know if you've noticed or bought a refrigerator, but the, the cardboard is super thick and durable. Yeah, nice and double corrugated. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that uh, Kansas residents dream of. You know, it's the that's the Kansas dream, so to <laughs> yeah. speak, as a cor- double corrugated refrigerator box. You know, these, these are you know these are blue collar microwave box Kansas kids we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I think the Kansas homeless that we're actually talking about are the kinds that fight for scraps of meat in an alley with stray dogs that's how they get the tr- most of their meals yeah so uh anyway that's that's some sad news and i'm sorry to hear that the homelessness has been on the rise especially with the horrible horrible weather conditions that persist in kansas year round wind <laughs> it's and, like god hates kansas wind and raining prairie dogs yeah <laughs> so yeah god does hate kansas colin that's that's it's, it's, <laughs> it's no, not up for discussion so uh Let's see. Our next uh, story comes to us from the Wichita Eagle, which is a newspaper, apparently, although the Kansas residents mostly cannot read. So this uh, article reads, man threatens to burn down home after neighbor's dispute. Uh, Okay. So uh, (laughs) a dispute between neighbors escalated to a threat to burn down a home with 10 people inside early Saturday morning, according to Wichita police. Is the threat – I feel like a th- just making a threat – I mean, if the guy's making the threat while holding a blowtorch, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But, like, I'm going to burn your fucking house down sounds kind of like a hollow threat unless that guy's holding some sort of incendiary. Well, let's dig deeper into this hot lead. Police arrested 37-year-old man armed with a gas can and knife. Now you're talking. Well, whoa, hold on a minute. Go, keep going. 
Um, I, no, no word in this story whether he thinks he can light gasoline with a knife. Um, on suspicion of aggravated assault and intimidation after Neighbor said he told them just after midnight he was going to burn down their home on the 700 block of South Hunter Street. I feel like this is a hollow threat because I feel like every person in Kansas owns at least three guns. Right. And like if he ever got anywhere close to actually setting the fire, he'd been shot numerous times. Well, it makes me wonder why he had a knife instead of a gun. <laughs> the standard you know, Maybe it was a felony. He couldn't get a uh, well. That wouldn't stop a man of Kansas though from no, really a gun. Wouldn't. So wow. a man at the home knocked the gas can out of the assailant's hands, but then the suspect produced a knife. At home at the residence were six people ranging in age from six months to twenty-eight years. <laughs> so uh, again, another incident where there's a six-month-old child being threatened by a Kansas person. <sighs> Jackson said he didn't know what the dispute was about. No one was injured. So uh, this is pretty par for the course and the kind of stuff I'm really going to miss at the end of the season, Colin. Well, Brendan, I think it's uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. Um, Kansas has become kind of part of my family, I feel like. And, right. Uh, uh, this it, segment has become part of my life. It's hard. to. You're going to have to wake up Sunday, Monday mornings and, and not know what crazy Kansas resident tried to or did burn down a trailer home yeah. or threatened a baby mama by taking the infant child with them riding on the hood of their car. Or actually have been shot or been crushed by a tank or any of the other things that happened with so much regularity. Removal of toes. <laughs> yeah, the, with, with, with Kansas. It's, these have been the days of our lives. It's really it's, it's unsettling. Brennan, I think we have one more story. Do we not? It, indeed we do, Colin. And this this one, is the last one. This is it. So, folks, sit down. Get ready to soak in the last bit of Kansas news. The one great thing about this Kansas news is we have to do research to find Kansas news. But as uh, our listenership has grown, occasionally our Twitter followers will tweet at us Kansas news that they find. And that we love that because it means less work for us. And to, uh, more, more specifically, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, thank you, Frederick Franken at uh, Frederick GF for this a uh, little nugget of Kansas news. Brennan, go ahead. Yeah, so this is an AP story. Uh, it's titled, Woman Sits on Boyfriend's Toilet for Two Years. <laughs> Girlfriend was physically stuck to the seat. Her skin had grown around it. Jesus Christ, that's awful. I'm just going to immediately make the assumption that she was a svelte beauty. Yeah, she had to be something uh, physically. Oh, God. This comes to us from Nest City, Kansas. Deputies said a woman in western Kansas sat on her boyfriend's toilet seat for two years, and they're investigating whether she was mistreated. Mistreated? I, I just, I can see it. She's just a bleach-white, chewed piece of bubble gum poured onto a fucking shitter. Oh, God. It's so awful. I would like to make some guesses at whether she was wearing a Tweety Bird sweatshirt. <laughs> Something NASCAR related, or I'm betting she's wearing one of those fancy Duck Dynasty T-shirts. I see it all the truck stops. <laughs> Maybe uh, one of those T-shirts that has like an airbrushed wolf on it. <laughs> yeah. Ness County Sheriff Brian Whipple said a man called his office last month to report that something was wrong with his girlfriend. Whipple said it appeared that the 35-year-old Ness City woman's skin had grown around the seat. She initially refused emergency medical services, but was finally convinced by first responders and her boyfriend that she needed to be checked in to a hospital. How do we get to this point where she's been there for two years? Does this article in any way state – I mean, she's morbidly obese, I assume, who just couldn't get up and just got – I mean, was I, I there a television in there? I mean, she, did he, someone I, bring her food and magazines? I think morbid obesity is the safest assumption in the history of assumptions. I guess if you're going to be like stuck somewhere for an extended period of time on top of a toilet is probably a good place to be. <laughs> the guy just shovels the McDonald's into you, you drop it out. <laughs> yeah. Like a soft serve ice cream machine. Uh, you know, toilets occasionally need to be cleaned as well. <laughs> good God. 
God. So do body parts, Brennan, oh. especially pitted, gappy, morbidly obese body parts. Oh. So we we pried the toilet seat off with a pry bar, and the seat went with her to the hospital, Whipple said. Oh. The hospital removed it. Oh, Whipple God. said investigators planned to present their report Wednesday to the county attorney, who will determine whether any charges should be filed against the woman's 36-year-old boyfriend. She was not glued. She was not tied. She was physically stuck by her body, Whipple said. It is hard to imagine. I still have a hard time imagining it myself. I have a hard time wanting to imagine it. It's fucking gross. I feel bad for this guy. He's having nightmares. He has a hard time imagining <laughs> I it. Want, I want to know what her body weight is. Someone tell me in this article what her, how much she weighed. He told investigators he brought his girlfriend food and water and asked her every day to come out of the bathroom. And her reply would be, maybe tomorrow, Whipple said. According to him, she did not want to leave the bathroom. So how does one get to this point? I mean, are you at some point one cheeseburger away from being a shut-in? And eventually you go, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, and you're like, nope, maybe I'm just staying here. I'm riding it out. Well, she's just, I'm in Kansas. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just going to go to the most interior portion of my house. I'm going to close the door, and I'm never going to come out again because if I go out, I realize that I'm, Walking into Kansas. Right. So this is the type of situation where you pray for one of those famous tornadoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh. Exactly. This is just so disgusting. So fucking disgusting. <laughs> just so disgusting. Her boyfriend called the police on February 27th to report that there was something wrong with the girlfriend. Uh, Whipple added that uh, he never explained why it took him two years to make the call. Police found that the clothed woman sitting on the toilet, her sweatpants down to her mid-thigh. She was somewhat disoriented, and her legs looked like they had atrophied, he said. That's believable. She said that she didn't need any help, that she was okay, and she did not want to leave. I guess living in the bathroom is understandable. Why wouldn't you never stand up? I mean, just like, even just... Again, I think we want to roll it back to that morbid obesity, where yeah. standing is quite the situation. Mm. Oh my God! This is. I hope we should have warned our listeners. This reminds me of that, that. Don't movie listen to this show seven. before dinner. Yeah, yeah. It's like where you're gonna find some fucking creepy, weirded out, like fat woman on her toilet, sewn to it by some fucking serial killer or something. So she was taken to a hospital in Wichita, nearly 150 miles from her home. Whipple said she refused to cooperate with the medical providers or the law enforcement investigators. Authorities said they did not know if she was mentally or physically disabled. Let me clear that up for you guys. Yes and yes. <laughs> yes, she is. She is stone cold bonkers. She is bananas. But I think the problem with the Kansas investigators is that she's very similar in condition to perfectly healthy Kansas Kansas residents, or what would be who you'd find in yeah. Walmart. Anyway, police have declined to release the couple's names, but the house where the authorities say the incident happened is listed in the public records as the residence of Corey McFerrin. No one answered his phone number. Yeah, well, I uh, I would imagine that the, any phone number they have on record for him has changed at least six times because he's had to change cell phone companies and phones six times and find all these sites of people, and I think that I do. The case has been the buzz of Nest City, says James Ellis, a neighbor. I don't think anybody can make any sense out of it. Ellis said he's known the woman since she was a child, but he had not seen her for six years. He said she had a tough childhood and her after her mother died at a young age and apparently was usually kept in the house as she grew up. At one point, the woman worked for a long-term care facility, but he did not know what kind of work she did there. It doesn't really surprise me, Ellis said of the bathroom incident. What surprises me is somebody wasn't called a bit earlier. How can you possibly say it doesn't surprise you? Anytime someone is stuck to a toilet for two years, you're almost yeah. obligated to say Anytime you're surprised. their skin has literally grown onto the toilet, I feel like that's surprising. It I feel should like be surprising, but we never, we <laughs> always, always forget 
We're talking about Kansas. Yeah, we're underestimating Kansas quite a bit, I guess. So, Colin, it's time for you to give us the uh, Kansas football game update. How's that score coming? It is currently um, football <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Kansas, zero. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, no games for Kansas. So that's going to be it. That's Football's the winning the contest between Kansas and football. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kansas. You know, you'd think Kansas would be better at football. Uh, the entire state is basically a football field. It's one rectangle, completely flat. Yeah. yeah. Just stick a couple of, of goalposts on either end in the Colorado-Missouri end, and you've got a really, really big football field. Yeah. Why are they so bad? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. But they are. Well, Kansas, we're going to miss you for the year. But maybe, you know what, we'll, we'll break in because I know you guys are going to be jonesing uh, for a little Kansas news. And we're going to provide you a little methadone occasionally with some breaking news of Kansas. But uh, for now, for this season, bye-bye, Kansas news. This is the Mazzotcast. And we're back, and uh, as we usually do, we kind of have the SEC network on on mute in the background. Yeah, and it's muted. And I was taken aback, uh, saw, seeing a lot of Mizzou highlights. And I thought, what are they talking about? Football highlights, yeah. Yeah, why are they talking? Why is Mizzou all over the screen? That's yeah, not this is not typical. Alabama. Yeah, this is not typical. So we unmuted it, and uh, they were talking. They were having a segment about teams they expected to make the biggest jumps next year, and then they talked about the portion where they were showing Missouri, the teams they figured to regress the most next year. Thanks a lot, SEC Network. Yeah. Never disappoints in the <laughs> fuck Missouri department. <laughs> oh, Missouri's going to look shitty next year. Well, I believe you said that for the last three years, so keep it up, assholes. <laughs> well, um, but speaking of assholes, uh, let's talk about Missouri basketball for a little bit, Colin, because <laughs> the football season is over, and we're almost obligated to talk about Missouri basketball. And... I just I just want to say that Missouri for a lot of years has been a basketball school. There was about a twenty year gap where Missouri played Kansas level football, yeah. and uh, <laughs> basketball was kind of our thing. Yeah, sure. We had a, a good run in the Norm Stewart era, and uh, and we've fallen on hard times. And and, and I got to say, I'm you know I'm in my thirties, and I think a lot of Mizzou fans my age. Basketball was what you grew up watching, you know, and Mizzou football was kind of a joke and you'd hope for good, but you never expected it. I, it's hard for me to watch basketball games or even get excited about basketball. And I don't blame it on Kim Anderson. I think Kim Anderson may be the right guy for the job. Well, I think people are saying that, that the team seems to look like they're moving in the right direction, despite the fact that they are winning very, very little. Yeah. I mean, we're at the point though, where when we have, Close when we lose close games to mediocre teams, they say well, how good we look. Yeah, you know, and and it, it used to not be that way, and um, but I, I think you know long term, if Kim Anderson can turn this thing around, it'll be great for him because we're at the bottom, we're at the nadir right now of of what we can possibly. He could do. be we're a pink hole to us, right? And 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 I'm not the only one. I mean, look at the attendance. I mean, people just don't want to go out and watch yeah. these basketball games. There's no joy in it. Yeah, there was a big dunk yesterday in the game, and I thought. I tweeted that you know dozens of people came alive, you know, <laughs> drawn to their feet by a powerful dunk. Dozens and dozens of fans. And and I'm not a bandwagon fan. I still want Missouri to do well. I still and, watch the games, and, but as difficult it is to watch. But it is a struggle. It's almost a job to watch the games. And 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 every team has their ups and downs. We're just in a significant down, and it doesn't 
help the basketball team that the football team has been doing so well because uh, my attention has been fully focused on football, even as the basketball season has progressed. Uh, thankfully, we do have the folks at Rock M Nation to give us basketball reports hourly uh, <laughs> during bowl games. Yeah, no doubt. I Listen, I like Rock M Nation, and uh, I'm, we're joking, and we like to give them a hard time. But it really has been noticeable. Like, the minute the basketball season fired up, despite the fact that we won the SEC East and we were in a Citrus Bowl and we're competitive in the most uh, – the, you know, the consensus, uh, most powerful conference in football in the nation. Uh, fuck it. The basketball team's on. <laughs> and uh, I guess it would be different if we like our, we ever had a Kansas or Kentucky level basketball team, but we don't. Yeah. And uh, we have a Linsencombe level yeah. basketball team. I think that Rocky Nation feels a lot more compulsion than we do to cover all Mizzou sports. Yeah. Uh, and, sure. and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't give two shits about uh, women's volleyball, no. even when they're good. I mean, good for them. I but only I'm like women's volleyball to them. see them in those shorts, and we all know why that. So I basically watch for about anywhere between three and six minutes. I finish, and then I change the channel. Okay. <laughs> and, and so uh, you know, I, I like the football team. I want. I like the basketball team when they're good. I I, I want them to do well when they're bad. But they're just really, really bad right now, and, and they're, they're going to be – this is going to be a rebuilding year. I don't – you know, we're going to have to make some major changes to be more than a rebuilding year next year. But I'm hopeful that Kim Anderson do it, can do it. I think he's a good coach, and, and a lot of people now are like, oh, we think he can coach, but can he recruit? I think Missouri fans get a little too caught up in that bullshit because, like, when Quinn Snyder was here, they're like, oh, he's a great recruiter, but can he coach? Turns out he couldn't recruit or coach. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't do shit. Yeah. He could do cocaine and sorority girls. Anybody can <laughs> could do both of those things a lot. <laughs> and he did. Uh, but but anybody can recruit if they get good help around them. I think Kim Anderson's done that. I think he is a good ex and those guy. <laughs> and so, you know, give them some time. Give them some years to replenish the basket that uh, Frank Haith emptied. <laughs> oh, God, so badly. And, uh, and but, but honestly... I don't want to give you minute-by-minute updates about basketball because the minute-by-minute update is they're still shitty. <laughs> they're still shitty. Oh, they did something good, and then they're shitty again. So, yeah. so We'll report the, the news when there's news to report. But um, anyway, uh, as far as basketball is concerned, it's it's just been a great run, and I think. Well, I I mean, I had people though talk to me about, are you guys going to do a basketball podcast? Basketball podcast, and I would love to have a Monty Harge <laughs> neck roll player of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I, I just can't imagine devoting that much time to a, ba- a team that this is this bad. So you're just going to have to hold out for football information and news through the off season, which we will have, Brennan. We Hopefully will have we can give you an NIT update. <laughs> but I don't, that's, that's a lot to ask at this point. Um, so, you know, this is obviously the end of the season. This is the end of the year. This is our last podcast, at least uh, our scheduled podcast for um, – the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Brennan do intend to have a periodic uh, podcast for you guys regarding football information as it comes in. Um, but that, you know, I, about I, recruits, I guess I don't know. I don't yeah, care about that stuff. Spring enough. games, that yeah. sort of thing. But you know, you know, I I think this is the time of year you kind of look back on the season, and I think you got to just give Coach Pinkle all kinds of credit because this is a season where we lost to Indiana and and. Colin, let's take a brief second to, to listen to how we felt after the Indiana game. They, you know, they could come around and they would learn a lot about uh, what they need to fix and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is this game was, in fact, a botched late-term back-alley abortion. 
<laughs> and I don't Coat think <laughs> I don't think I'm overstating that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that that does not sound like a couple of guys who are watching a team that was going to go eleven and three and win the Citrus not Bowl. Not super enthusiastic about this football <laughs> team. No, no, we did not have high hopes. But Pinkle kept him in it, and he did. He coached him well, and you know between. The run that he's given Missouri, the, the amount of wins he's piled up, and just his age, the fact that he's not really in contention to get hired away by another school. Yeah, I didn't hear any uh, Michigan talk this time around when Michigan was in. I could, thank God. I just I was just waiting for someone to pluck him away. But then I started hearing that 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 sentiment. He's too old. And I was like, right. fucking thank Christ he's too old. So, you know, and, and I don't know how long uh, Gary Pinkle wants to coach. But at this point, I think Missouri wants to have him as long as he'll he, – he's, he's been chiseling his statue outside of Furrow Field, if you ask me. I mean, he is – you mean Pinklefield? Pinklefield. <laughs> he he's becoming one of those coaches that is is a program defining coach, and uh, and I think that shows up in his personality. You know, he's getting married soon, and he's just a, he's just looser and more comfortable in his own skin. And I, I think, think the combination of Pinkle being good and the, us being in the SEC East will also set us up hopefully in the past when Pinkle does hang it up, we'll get a. You know, a top tier coach rather than some fucking guy you've never heard of who was an assistant coach at Buttfuck University. Yeah. Uh, which has kind of been what's happened <laughs> before. Yeah. So, you know. Buttfuck University, by the way, is a great university. Yeah. You know, they put out a lot of All Americans every year. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so we're thrilled to be Missouri fans this year based on how they turned things around, how they looked, how they played deep into the season, despite overcoming, you know, Matty Mock. And, uh, you know, some Andrew Baggett's. Hey, I'll say Andrew Baggett, nice onside kick. Absolutely. We didn't even talk about that. My God. It was perfectly executed. And they they fell on it. What is Andrew Baggett's not a senior, right? We got another year of Baggett, yeah? I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. I I feel great about it because I love (laughs) Andrew Baggett. We still got some of those Baggett jerseys left over. Maybe yeah, just in case, tweet us. Tweet yeah. us and ask for a Baggett jersey. We'll give you a, a smoking deal. Head to mazotcast.com. So anyway, uh, any any closing thoughts, Colin, as we wrap up the 2014 season, uh, the Citrus I've, Bowl champion I, Tigers? I've really enjoyed this podcast. I've, I've, uh, I've been shocked. Glad somebody has. <laughs> I've been shocked that it's, uh, it's uh, consistent growth, um, the response from fans. I never expected anyone to ever listen to this, but no. we seem to have a small yet uh, – devoted fan base and mm-hmm. uh much I, like mizzou itself <laughs> yeah we are yeah we are a mirror image of our the football team that we cover um and i look forward to doing it again next year i look forward to our fame growing mm-hmm. and uh you know some respect among our peers <laughs> we have peers i don't think so <laughs> well we certainly don't have respect <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i've enjoyed it um like i said we'll come to you periodically throughout the uh throughout the year to to give you some updates if we feel anything is noteworthy and um how about you, Brendan? What's yeah, your final I'm thoughts? Just, thanks for hanging in there with us all year long. It's been a lot of fun to report on the Tigers. It's been especially fun uh, given the season that we've had. And I've really enjoyed the feedback from uh, folks, even the negative feedback, especially the negative feedback, yeah. which probably is more prevalent anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I look forward to doing this again. Um, there's been talk. Uh, don't get your hopes up because, because you know we're constant letdown to people. But of a... Of a Mazoskers. A Mazoskers? Well, yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there might be an award show in, in, in the immediate near future about uh, this season of not the Tigers, well, but of Brandon, us. We can't even get this show up within a week of recording it. I'd say <laughs> the immediate future might be pretty uh, pretty aggressive statements. <laughs> so, well, it's a podcast. What is, what is time? So 
anyway, um, yeah, no, I'm really thrilled about the season. I'm really enjoyed doing the podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Um, hope you tune in next season and, and keep in touch with us in case we have some uh, sporadic episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy those as well. And so uh, for Brian Goers and Colin Steenbergen, I'm Brendan Steenbergen signing off for 2014-15. This has been the Mazodcast. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Mm-hmm.